Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. God has spoken to me that we are right now in a divine window that God wants to release financial destiny in our lives as never before. And so uh, this has been on me for a couple weeks, and so pray that I uh, preach shorts because I feel like God wants to move in prophecy today. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. We're talking about the church of Thyatira. This is the fourth church and in the seven churches of Revelation. And this is the longest letter that God gives John to send to the pastors and release to the churches. It's the longest letter of all of them. And one of the most interesting. So let's read together in Revelations chapter 2. You know, I really need to get a new Bible. Revelations chapter 2, starting with verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. He says, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience, And as for your works, the last are even more than what you did at the beginning. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you have allowed the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and beguile my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, but she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, interesting, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. You're going to have to help me with the next verse. I've wrote on it a lot. Is it up here? I will, watch this, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. But to you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, As many as do not have this doctrine, the doctrine of Jezebel, and who have not known the depths of Satan, and as they call them, I will put on you no other burden. Now, this is a a fascinating teaching. I will put on you no other burden. This is a new beginning, God is saying. I'll explain. I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast to what you have until I come. And he who overcomes, 
and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Now listen to this prophecy. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and as the potter's vessels shall be dashed into pieces like the potter's vessel, and I will give him the morning star, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a heavy one. This is not the kind of Jesus that we like to talk about anymore in church. The first thing is as he's talking to the church of Thyatira. Thyatira is a unique place in that it was a, if you know the, remember the history of Thyatira, it was a, it was a center of trade. A lot of trade went through this. Um, if you remember one of Paul's great converts was the woman found what is in Acts 16, I believe it is, uh, Lydia. Not, not Scott and Lydia, but Lydia. And Lydia uh, became a convert, heard Paul's teaching, if you remember, uh, got baptized, and many historians believe that it was Lydia, the seller of purple, who went back to Thyatira and started this church. This kind of kills the negation that women are not to be in the ministry. Say amen. When we first came to Dallas, Tiz and I were uh, on a certain Christian radio station, and then they found out that Tiz teaches in the pulpit, and they threw us off of the radio station, Christian radio station, because women have no place in ministry, they said. And I guess this caused some uproar even in their church, because people liked our program. And you know what the pastor said from the pulpit? He said, men don't have babies and women don't teach the gospel. And I thought of the scripture, even a fool appears wise when he keeps his lips shut. Women are leaders and have always been leaders in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now the Bible says here that John describes Jesus here as having eyes like the flame of fire. Very simply put, God is angry. Now, we don't like to think about God being angry. There's two different definitions of this. One is God sees everything. When you're on a date, God sees everything. When you're on vacation, God sees everything. I used to always tell our kids, not only does God see everything you do, he tells me. (laughs) But the Bible, when, you know, how, how many have ever heard the expression, he's got fire in his eyes? Well, that fire is two different definitions. It means he is ready to go. But it also means that he's angry. And here, he is angry. God is angry. And we're about to see why. 
It says that his feet are brass. And, and without getting into too much detail that would take too long, it can be brass, it can be bronze, but it brass and bronze in building the tabernacle on the outer court before you came in to the presence of God, brass or bronze in the outer court meant judgment of our sin. That before we would go in and God who is Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Sitkanu and Jehovah, Jehovah Mekedesh and Jehovah Shalom, God who is everything we need, before we got in there, he first would judge our sin. So when he says that his feet are brass or his feet are bronze, it means that not only does God see everything we do, he judges it. Now, what confuses us is sometimes he doesn't judge it that moment. You know, you're in a business decision and you cheat somebody. If lightning would fall from heaven, blow the table up, and you would repent, we would have a lot less people sinning. But sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes... It's weeks, months, years, but understanding God sees everything and God judges everything. Now, the flip side of this, I got one amen out of the whole crowd. The flip side of this, and hopefully I'll get more amens on this, is bronze or brass represents judgment, but it also represents resolve conviction and strength of character now what that means is is that god chastens those he loves have you ever not you none of you would do this but have you ever known somebody that's doing something wrong and you feel bad about you know it you know it you know it I always tell this story, and it's a, it's a funny story. When, when Luke was a little, little boy, little bitty guy, we were living, pastoring in Australia, and he found a, a broken piece of toy uh, in the ga- uh, at the gas station, right? Outside, broken. But he knew it wasn't his. He, you know, he's, what, three years old or something, and he puts it in his pocket, you know, thinking nobody would see, and then he walks into the shop with tis like this. his goes what's in your pocket nothing see that's what we do we take our sin we go god goes what's in your pocket it's going to get better hold on (laughs) and he pulls it out and it's a broken piece of it's junk it's trash but his in his mind he was stealing it and so she said, you give it to that man. And the man goes, oh, it's nothing. He goes, no, he, he, in his mind, he's doing something wrong. Well, she taught him a lesson. One, one thing she said was, I'm going to tell your father. But then we moved back not long after. We moved back to uh, um, the United States. And we're in Oregon, pioneering a church. And Luke, Luke and Tiz are going through uh, Fred Meyer's store. It's a, a, a store up there. And 
our kids are taught not to interrupt adults when they're speaking. And so Tiz is talking to the lady, and they're talking about something. And he goes, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And Tiz goes, wait, Lucas, ma'am, ma'am. And he pulls out, he found a $100 bill laying on the, on the ground. Found a $100 bill laying on the ground. He goes, I found this. And she goes, well, that is so nice of you to return that. And he goes, Christians don't steal. Now associate pastor. So yes, there is that conviction. That's, that's why when we're doing something wrong, we feel bad. God help us if we stop feeling bad. God help us if we're afraid that the Holy Spirit will tell our father. And when he gets home... You know, I believe fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of dad is the second thing. Not only do we feel this this guilt, this spirit of God saying what you're doing is wrong. Let me throw this in. Let me just throw this in. Why steal? And we'll just talk about stealing. Why steal? God will give you more than you can ever steal. One of Owen's favorite scriptures is there's a wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow. There's a lot of people out there that have a whole lot more money than we do. But this is the sorrow that they go through, their families, their kids, everything. You know, the other day, I, I was thinking about this, and the other day, we we're trying to remember what year I graduated from college because between high school and college, um, uh, I was in trouble a little bit with the uh, police, uh, wrongly accused, and uh, I got out of that, and then I got a scholarship. So we're trying to remember how long was I out? A year, year and a half. And so I never go to the, I never go to the internet. Never, I never go to the internet and and look up me. Never, I never have done that. But I thought, is there something on that says what year I graduated from college? And uh, all of a sudden, all these things come up, and which I, I you know, um, what size shoe does Larry Huck wear? What, you know, what, what color are his eyes? And one website says hazel. I have blue eyes. Um, one says, uh, we're not sure on the, his shoe size, but we're looking into it. <laughs> but one website, and, and then the guy, and really nice things. I was shocked. Really nice. There was one that said, I'm a false prophet because we've replaced Israel. And I told, I told John, don't write that, John. Don't put that on there. <laughs> but I mean, really nice things about lives being changed, generational curses being brought. I mean, I was amazed. But it says Larry Huck's net worth, and they said on there between fifteen and thirty million. And I told Tiz, I receive it. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, calling those things which are not <laughs> as though they were. I tell that because I really believe that there's an anointing coming on us today that is going to be life-changing, financial life-changing. So we have this conviction, 
When we're doing something wrong, we have this conviction. Why? Because whatever we're doing wrong, and we think that will be good for the moment, God has something so much better. God has something beyond anything, beyond anything the devil wants to do for you. God has good measure, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Amen? So that conviction, that the brass, the feet of brass, is conviction, but it's also resolve. And it's also strength of character. Strength of character. In other words, if we listen to that still small voice and you go, what? I'm not going to do that. God will give us the resolve. God will give us the strength of character. And what Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. You know, when I, when I was just saying that, I was thinking about, remember when Israel and Moses were going through the desert and the people once again began to complain uh, about the manna. And uh, so God got angry and released poisonous snakes. And all these people, remember the story in there? It's a bizarre story. And as they released poisonous snakes, Moses goes to God and said, God, you know, they're just being numbskulls, you know, take care of them, help them. God said, okay, I want you to take and make a bronze or a brass serpent, put it on a stick, and hold it up. And everyone that looks up at that bronze brass serpent will be healed. Now, the question is, why in the world would God say, take the snake, which is causing all the problems... Make one out of brass, which is judgment, put it on a stick and look up, and everyone that looks up, they'll be healed. Well, ancient Jewish wisdom says, and I'll say this very simply, number one, they quit looking down and they finally looked up. But number two, they're looking at the problem and they realize, and and how do you say it in English? The harmer became the healer what was the problem god did and it's uh Mamamides who said the great jewish scholar who said what was your problem when you look to god becomes your answer god reverses that curse and and i and i thought about i thought about this in in my life god didn't make me a drug addict god didn't make me a drug dealer they told my mom and dad, once a junkie, always a junkie. Your son will never change. Nobody changes when they get to this point. Well, the world says I can't change, but the word says, who the son sets free shall be free indeed. And I can go to anybody in the world. You know, um, Friday night, I'll be do- doing a, a huge conference in Brazil, Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And I can say to anybody, no matter who you are, you you or your child got a drug problem or an alcohol problem or an anger problem, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, not just because 
I read it, but we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. If God did it for me, God can do it for you. And instead of being a junkie, God can raise somebody up. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise and lifts us up to give him all the praise and all the glory. You look at the cancer that Lion went through and Tiz went through. God didn't do that. God didn't put that cancer. God did something on Lion. There's no medical history. God reversed this thing on Tiz. They said, we know it's there. And they came out, it's not there. There is nobody. I don't care what your need is. I don't care if it's marriage or health or finances or whatever it is. Opening prison doors. I don't care what it is. We know now that God can do something for you that no one has ever even heard of before. That's what God is saying here. Yes, he is a God that judges us. Why? Because he wants to take what Satan's meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. You know, Tiz and I are finishing a book right now, and uh, I want to put in the intro. Um, A few months ago, I did a banquet with... uh, um, um, Vice President Pence, and met a Jewish businessman there. Their family is very famous and a uh, very wealthy family. And he's, the man sent me a book about his father, and it's a book about surviving his father surviving the Holocaust. It's an amazing book. And the title of it is, I Shall Live and Not Die. And he says these words, and I want to steal these words. Or I want to borrow these words. He said, I'm not making a cocky statement. I shall live and not die. He said, I'm quoting Psalms where David said, I shall live and not die so I can tell the world of the goodness and the testimony of our God. That's why it's amazing that God will reach into wherever you are and lift you up and pull you out and give you the strength not to go that way anymore. And he'll use what Satan's meant for evil. He'll use it for his good and for the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. All right, now look at this. So he's a God that sees, he's angry. But if we turn around, he'll what Satan's meant for evil, he'll actually use it for good. And then he says these words. Derek, can I have some water, please? And then he says these words. He says, I know your works. In other words, thank you, sir. So in other words, he's saying, I'm looking at every one of you. And I know what you do in building the kingdom of God. And he goes on. And and each one of these could take a whole week. But look what he says. He says, I see your works. Your love, your service, your faith, your patience. He said, I see it all. I see you serving in the church. He said, I see you doing something. And, and let me say something. How many, how many of you are saved right now? How many want to stay saved till the rapture? Do something. The Dead Sea in Israel is the Dead Sea, not because it doesn't have life coming into it. It has no life going out of it. All that blessing that comes in the Dead Sea just sits there. 
and it builds on itself and it kills. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. And I know you've heard this illustration before, but if you want fresh living water, you've got to give out. Find a place to serve. Find a place in the kingdom of God. Be a life group leader. Be an usher. Be a greeter. Be a, don't just be somebody that says, feed me. Be somebody that says, feed me so that I can feed others and build the kingdom of God. Amen? He talks about love. We could go in and love that. And that word love there means loving God, but loving your neighbor. Loving your brother. Loving your sister. Loving one another. Whether we're young or old, white, black, brown, yellow, pinstripe, polka dotted, we love one another. And I want to just throw this in because it's talked about so much. There is nothing more ignorant in all the world that you can't love someone because of the color of their skin. Yeah, I was was thinking about this. Derek, come up here. Derek's one of my best friends in the whole world. And if I'm a blind man and I look at Derek and I'm going, oh, a black man. (laughs) You can't do that. Even now you can't do that. (laughs) But let me show you something. Derek came in the church out of prison. Today, Derek is a multimillionaire. When Derek came into the church... He's the one who, he's the one who uh, says, Pastor, you're going to wear these slacks today. You're going to wear these shirt today, this sweater today. And when I'm walking out, he says, are your pants zipped? Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. N- now that he's, I mean, he's worked, he, he and his wife, Katrina, have worked yes, sir. hard, 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 hard. But they, but they got there. They got there. But you know what? He still gets my shoes ready. He still gets my. He's still serving. Yes, sir. It's still the same thing. This is this is an example of this right now. Yes, Amen. Amen. And we are, if we are to go forward, we are to love yes. one another. Say yes. say it with me. Love one another. Thank, buddy. He says, "I know your works, your service, your faith, your faithfulness." Your faithfulness. Jesus asked these questions. He said, when I return, will I find any faithful? You know, yesterday, Tiz and I celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary. 45 years. And I've been faithful most of the time. That wouldn't count, would it? Well, Tiz, I was faithful the first 44 years. If I told Tiz that, she'd give a whole new meaning to the laying on of hands. And she would plead the blood. From here, from here. It doesn't work. The devil doesn't care if you're faithful the first 20 years. He wants to know if you're faithful now. And let me just throw something in, and and this is in my notes. This is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people stay more faithful when they've come in off the streets. But when they start prospering and they start hearing what we're teaching and it starts working, now all of a sudden, you know, we're too too busy to, to be in church now because God's opened all these doors. You know, Pastor, I know, you, you know you, you've heard the, 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 the old story, but it's worth repeating. 
is that a guy comes into this church and he's off the streets and the pastor gives him a job and he's cleaning the church a little bit and he learns this business and he goes and he starts his own business and thing explodes and he's got cleaning services all over. And one day he comes to the pastor and he says, you know, pastor, when I first came in the church, you know, I made a vow to God that I'd always tithe. And, you know, back then I was making $100 an hour. And, and, and I tithe. He said, now, he said, you know, we've got 50 of the businesses out there. And he goes, Pastor, would you pray that God would release me from that vow of tithing because I can't afford to tithe now? And the pastor said, no, I'll just pray that God will take you back to where you can afford to tithe. Right. Say faithful. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. I believe COVID is a gleaning process. Well, you know what? I, I know churches that still aren't open. We need to be faithful. If we're faithful in little, finish it. God will give us much more to be faithful over. Amen? Amen. Faithful in our giving. Faithful in our vows. And there's so much that this teaches. You know, um, one of the reasons why I told the nation of Israel, we will, God willing, do a million dollars again for Israel. I put that out so that I'm accountable. I'm going to be honest with you. It's one thing. I have people say all the time, and, and, I, and I know their hearts are good. Pastor, someday I want to give a million dollars. Did you tithe this week? No, no. Listen, if you can't be faithful with a hundred, you ain't going to be faithful with a million. Say amen. It's one thing. I'm, we're going to give a million dollars. Another thing John says, sign this check. Million dollars. But if you're faithful in little, God will cause you to be faithful in much. So he says, I know your love. You love one and you love God. You love one another. I know your works. I know your, your, your faithfulness. I, I know all these things. And, and each, and, and, and your patience. And each, and then he said, as a matter of fact, you didn't just start off doing this way. You're doing, you're doing more than you ever did before. But then we get to, what is it? Verse 20. Thought maybe, thought maybe I didn't zip on the way out here. Hey, every pastor has done it. Every pastor has done it. Can can I tell a funny story? A friend of mine was was preaching and we were sitting. We go, he goes, and he gets behind the pulpit. Let's all praise God here for a moment here. God has mysterious ways of keeping us humble. So he says, you've done all these things, but then he says, but nevertheless, I have something against you. And he begins to talk in verse 20 about the spirit of Jezebel. And he begins to talk about adultery and fornication. Now, let me throw this in. If you want to bring up verse 20, we'll read it. Those of us who are in 
the kingdom of God, our lifestyles ought to be different than those who are in the world. Give me a loud amen. Amen. We ought to be different. And now remember, God is writing this to the first church, but it applies also to the last church. And we who are in here are a, to the world, should be a peculiar people. You know, we say this all the time. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to find you guilty? Look at this. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat sacrificed idols. Now, obviously, John is not writing this down that the literal Jezebel is in there because Jezebel's been dead for over a thousand years. But he's talking about the spirit of Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, as you remember, was married to Ahab. And when Ahab married Jezebel, she brought into that marriage um, witchcraft, the occult, sexual immorality. As a matter of fact, in her religion, they would have prostitutes in the temple as part of their worship service. Not only was she bringing these things amongst the children of God, she was killing as many prophets of God as she could because they were preaching against her. Now, we know the uh, story of the challenge that took place on Mount Carmel. Jezebel had... 450 false prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asheroth. If you remember, Elijah challenged the false teaching. He said, and, and they're up in Mount Carmel. If you've ever gone to the trip with Israel, many times we'll go up there where, where, where this happened. And Elijah said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's find out who's God. And the reason I want to take time to tell this story is the world's about to find out. I'm telling you prophetically. The world's about to find out who's God. And so he says, bring out all your false prophets and we'll build two altars and we'll take two bulls and we'll put them on that altar and let the God who answers by fire. Let him be God. All of Israel joined together to figure this out. The entire nation of Israel. And this is where Elijah said, why do you halt between two opinions? Why do you have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God? Why is that? Why are you a Christian on Sunday, but you're like the devil at work or at school? There's no difference. When you're with your friends, you're, you're doing what they're doing. And you're, when you're in church, you're pretending to be a Christian. He said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. If God is God, serve him. Now, you know, that's been said so much, but what a profound thing. If God is in God, 
Let's go crazy. But if God is God, you're crazy if you don't serve him because he's the ruler of the universe. Right? If God's God, serve him. Live for him. Do what he says because it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you're going to live for the devil, then understand he's going to come without a shadow of a doubt to steal, kill, and destroy everything God had for you. So the false prophets all come out and they're praying and you know the story. They go all day and all night. And, uh, uh, you know, when, when I first got saved, you know, I first got saved, I had hair down to here and, and, uh, every evangelist came through would, uh, I had earrings in my ears before earrings were everybody were, you know, and, and everybody, every evangelist came through and said, God's going to use you. You know, I, when I first got saved, I had done drugs for so long and so many drugs. They put me in the 15 and under, I have two university degrees. They put me in the 15 and under, well, I lacked eight hours for my second degree. I couldn't talk. I couldn't read. I, couldn't, I had done drugs for so many years. But, man, I was happy. I mean, man, I'm just, it just... You know, I just loved God and I love people. And man, this is good. And evangelists call me out. God's going to use you around the world. One day I went into the bathroom. I may have told you this story. I went into the bathroom at the church and this, um, I can't remember what his name was. I think it was either Sounding Brass or Tinkling Cymbal. Uh, uh, brother Sounding Brass, Brother Tinkling Cymbal. And I remember washing my hands at the sink and I can see him behind me. And he looks at me and he says, it looks at me in the mirror. I can picture this day. And he goes, God will never use you. And he's an elder. He's an elder. He was an elder. You know, he's one of those guys that say, I've been in the way for 20 years. And God goes, yeah, I know you have. You have been in the way for 20 years. And he looks me in the mirror and he goes, God will never use you. And I go, why? He goes, you laugh too much. This is serious. I got news for you. When you're serving the devil, he's got to steal, kill, and destroy. When you're serving God, he's come to give you life and life more abundant. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Oh, you can't use humor in the pulpit. The Bible's full of humor. They got 450 false prophets of Baal, 400 false prophets of Asherah. And they're praying, they're beating, and they're cutting themselves. And Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, goes... Maybe God's on vacation. Maybe you got to yell out or he's a little hard of hearing. He's mocking them. You know what? Instead of teaming up with the devil, we need to mock the devil. So finally, you know the story. He comes and he goes, all right, nothing's happening. He tells him, dig a trench around. The, and he built the altar. How many stones did he use to build the altar? Twelve. Representing the tribes of Israel. There's a key there. Standing with the nation of Israel. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. He builds a town. He puts the bull on there. He says, dig a trench. And they dig a trench on And he said, fill it full of water. And they poured water on it. On the, on the, they're wanting this thing to catch fire. They're pouring water on it. There's nothing that the world can do. To stop the blessing of God as long as we have faith. Nothing they can do. And he cries out and God licked up that water, licked up the fire. 
And the people go, God is God. And then they killed all the false prophets. Now, don't go kill anybody. But don't vote for Biden anymore. (laughs) He's never serious. He's never serious. Even in the pulpit, he's never serious. And then we know that because of, of, of Jezebel's influence on Ahab, we know the story that Ahab rebuilt the walls of Jericho. I've been there. I've seen it. And, and, and uh, God told him not to. And because he listened to this false prophetess, his wife, this Jezebel, and he rebuilt the, the walls of Jericho, a three-year famine comes. So after all this, Elijah, the prophet, announces God will break the famine. God will break the famine. And they go, okay, when? And so he's standing there and he sends his, he sends his, his helper. He goes, go, go run out, look over the ocean, and tell me uh, how big the clouds are. And the guy comes back and he goes, there are no clouds. And he says, go run again. He comes back, no clouds. He goes, go run again. Anybody remember how many times he went? Seven. Seven. How many places Jesus shed his blood? Isn't it good to study the word of God, find the mysteries of the kingdom of God? So finally, the seventh time, his his helper comes back and he goes, I saw a cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. And what Elijah say? Run! Here comes the flood. Let me tell you something, devil. You better run because the flood of God's power and God's blessing is coming on us. Somebody shout amen. It may start off small. It may start off a small seed or a cloud the size of a man's hand. But when God gets involved, a small seed becomes a mighty oak. A small cloud becomes a thunderstorm. When God is getting ready to move, you just stand your ground and believe that no matter what is happening, and I'm prophesying on you, the drought of spiritual, financial gifts of the Spirit, the drought is breaking. You better get running because the flood of the blessing of God is coming. Every one of Ahab's family were destroyed. The prophet said to Jezebel, the dogs will eat you. And exactly what the prophet said would happen, happened. Now let me, I'm going to have to do this message in two parts. Let me finish with this. Obviously, Jezebel was not there. But her spirit was there. I'm going to say this very simply. I, had, I, I wrote down all of this deep stuff. and everything. I'm just going to say it simply. Sexual immorality in our world has become commonplace. But God doesn't care that it's 2022. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's laws on sexual relations is very simple. Now, bring up Hebrews 13.4. As they're bringing it up, listen to me. God's laws are simple. 
God is not a sexual prude. The desire for sexual relationship comes from God. But there are rules that are involved with this. Look at what it says. Where is it? I'll read it to you. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among... Go ahead. Marriage is honorable, honorable among all. And the, bed, the marriage bed, should say marriage bed, is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I got four amens in the whole crowd. The marriage bed is honorable and undefiled. Now, what that means is, is that the relationship between man and woman comes from God. But the key to that is the marriage bed. Until you say, I do, you don't. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what movies say. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what it says. Adulterers and fornicators, God will judge. That's the same God that said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now remember, he sees everything. We had a... uh, uh, a person in one of our churches, I won't even say where it is, where it was, and all of a sudden they stopped coming to church. And so we did some research and found out that one of the members of the family said, I'm not coming. God shows pastor too many things. I'm not, he sh- God shows pastor too many things. Hey, it's not me you need to worry about. It's him. Tiz and I have been married now 45 years in one day. I've never cheated on her, never strayed, never looked. You know, I've been pastoring for, how many years have we been pastoring now? About the same. And in every church that we've pastored, we have rules for the staff. We have rules. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. That, that, it's actually a better word in, in Hebrew. It means a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. So we have rules. If you're a male and you're counseling a female, you counsel that female with the door wide open. We don't meet somebody for lunch of the opposite sex. You don't give anybody of the opposite sex a ride home. You don't flirt with someone. You don't do these things. You give the devil no foothold. The devil wants you to be sexually impure. And it's out there. It's out there everywhere. And so it's the frog in the pan is, well, things have changed now. No, it hasn't changed. The marriage bed is undefiled. Don't defile it. 
Don't go cheat on your husband. Don't go cheat on your wife. Don't sleep on someone you're not married to. That's not, you know, I, I, I could go and I say ancient Jewish wisdom says, and I could give you some deep things on this. Don't do it because it will cost you. Now, the good thing of it is, is if we repent and we turn and go the other way, what Satan's meant for evil, God will use for good. Instead of destroying your home, he'll strengthen your home. But God has certain rules. Amen? Five minutes. Look at verse 21. And I asked her, and I gave her time to repent. Well, I really do need to get a new Bible. And I gave, is that right? I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. You know, when I read this, I thought immediately, you know, in the church world nowadays, we, we don't like to hear that God is a God of judgment. We just, we just don't like to hear that. We, don't, we, we just want to hear that God is a big sugar daddy and we're all under grace. And, but look, look at what Jesus said. He said, where are your accusers? None here, Lord. They all left. And you know why they left? What did Jesus write in the sand? He wrote their sin. Let me take a side note here. Before you look to bring somebody down, understand, he says, you'll reap what you sow. Our job is not to find, you know, there's these ministries that are around today, and we've caught them digging in our dumpsters, trying to find stuff. Well, you won't find any stuff in our dumpsters. We use shredders. (laughs) You know, those those aren't godly people. Those Those are troublemakers. Our job is not to tear people down. Our job is to lift people up, right? Our job is to throw out a lifeline. Jesus is the example. They came and they caught this woman in the very act of adultery. She did it. And Jesus said, okay, and uh, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And they began to write in the, in the sand. And all of a sudden they go, no habla inglés. Nein sprechen sie Deutsch. Anilo min anglit. He wrote down their sin. So remember, let me just throw this in. When you're pointing at somebody else's sin... Remember, for every finger you point out there, there's three more pointing back at you. Amen? Our job is not, you're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Right? But Jesus said, where are your accusers, Lord? She goes, none here, Lord. He goes, neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon you. This, This is God being a God that judges our actions not only in the life to come but in this life how many remember the story of ananias and sapphira boy you don't hear that preached anymore do you 
Ananias and Fira, they're walking in their church. Lightning bolt hits them. Sapphira comes walking in and they said, did you do this, that? And she goes, yeah, we did it all. Well, the ones that are carrying your husband out are about to carry you out. You know, I figured just one time we'd have one lightning bolt hit. Doesn't have to hit anybody. Just hit somewhere. Man, our tithe would go up. Repentance would take. (laughs) When was the last time you heard Ananias and Sapphira taught? And it wasn't it wasn't because they didn't give. That's that's a, that. it was because they were trying to deceive. And God used them as an example. You know the Bible. Uh, the Bible says here's here's one. The Bible says honor your father and mother. Right? Why? He so said this this is the first one with promise, so that you live long and have a good life. Flip that around. Don't honor your father and mother. Miserable and short. <laughs> Mommy! It's a, a judgment of God. And let me tell you, parent, parents, don't, don't let your kids talk to you like that. Amen? The, the heart of a child is full of foolishness, but the rod of correction will drive it far from. And you got to do it when they're little. You got to do it when they're little. I, I remember a, a pastor friend of ours in Australia, and he did something, and his dad walked in and caught him. He's like, he's like six, seven years old, and his dad goes, come here. And he goes, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And, and his dad said, he prophesies too. <laughs> I'm on fire. Remember that? <laughs> I felt sorry for him. I'm on fire. God says he'll put you in the sick bed. Let me, let me close with this. I'm going to have to do the rest later. Go to 1 Corinthians. Can you pull this up, guys? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. This is the scripture that we use that we, before we do the Lord's Supper. And it's always been a little confusing to most people, but look at what God says here in Revelations. Put up the whole scripture. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Judge yourself, examine yourself. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Let's just stop right there. He said, I gave, I, I, I gave Jezebel a chance to repent. She wouldn't, so I'm going to put her on the sickbed. Why? She's in church. She's calling herself a prophetess. And she's causing so many to backslide with what she's doing and what she's saying. So here God tells us, before you take the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper, stop tarry for one another. Judge yourself. Am I doing something that is unpleasing to God? And he says, if you judge yourself, I won't judge you. That's a good deal. Come on, I need a better amen than that, folks. That's a good deal. If you judge yourself, I won't have to judge you. 
But if you don't, for this reason, I wonder if these are connected. He said, I'll put her on the sickbed. For this reason, many are weak and sick and many are dying amongst you. Then it really gets bizarre. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm wrapping this down. Then it says, uh, cast her in a sickbed, commit adultery with her, great tribulation unless they repent. And I can't read it. And something hurt children with death. Where, where's my scripture, guys? It's coming up. Okay. For if we would just... Okay. So then he says, your kids are, your kids are going to die. Now, in Hebrew understanding, there is a physical and a spiritual. And I don't believe that our children will die physically because of something we've done. But they will die spiritually. There's this great preacher. He's really, really good. He's real good looking and just tremendously wise. And he teaches on breaking family curses. That the iniquity of the father and the mother passed down generations after generations. But if we repent, not only does God stop it, but he reverses that. And what Satan meant for evil, God ends up using it for our good. Can I have an amen? That's a good God. Stand with me all over the building. That's a good God. Now, when we first started these, and I said, I've said it over and over again, the book of Revelations, it sounds like doom and gloom. Oh, it's doom and gloom. No, he's warning us. He's saying, here, I, listen, I, I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I see everything. Stop doing it. So the guy goes to the doctor, and he said, Doc, it hurts when I do this. Doc goes, don't, don't do that. Today, we can break every curse. Break every curse. You know, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm teaching this in Brazil Friday night, but why do so many Christians... Now, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sometimes it's just going to rain. But if we stand firm with God, that rain will bring us a great harvest. What Satan's meant for evil, God will use it for good. But a lot of times, we've come to the Lord, but we haven't broke this curse... I, I, I can't tell you over the years how many thousands of pastors I've had the honor and privilege of counseling with and say, our kids went this way, and we don't understand. And we say, did you break the family curse? You know, when, Tiz, when Lion got sick and Tiz got sick, the doctors told us, they said, it, it's, a, it's a gene that Tiz inherited. And then they came back, and so we started breaking that family curse, and we came back, came back and he said... We don't understand it. It's not there. Not only did, it not, the, did that gene leave, but a positive gene took its place and, and saved Lion's life. So God wants today reverse every curse. Amen? And release the blessing. Let's break that curse. But I want, I want to say, at the end of it, am I teaching next, next Sunday? No. The following Sunday, Marvin, so they're going to have to wait. He says, when you overcome this, when you reverse this thing, he said, I'll give you the morning star. Well, that's, oh, I get the morning star. What it, well, if you look up any website, 
Christian website, they'll say, Jesus is the bright morning star. And I'll prove that to you, that he is. But if you're already serving God, you already have the morning star. And if you look at the words here, morning star, it's not capital M, capital S. It's small. So what does he say to us who overcome and the curse is reversed? I'll give you the morning star. It's amazing. And in two weeks, I'll tell you. But it's good. It's good. I want to read something to you here, and we're going to pray. I won't use any names because you'll go to them and try to borrow money. I got this good news report. God was speaking to me about this service. And God spoke to me, and he said, you know, Tiz and I were talking on the way down to church today. And all these stores have... We're hiring. We're hiring. John, I don't think ever in my life have I ever seen so many places trying to hire people for jobs. Right? This is a unique time. Now listen to this testimony. I won't give any names. But it says, uh, sorry, um, late in this email, I've been busy with my new job. That's the praise report I want to share with you guys. On November 28, 2021, Pastor Huck called the congregation up for prayer. And during that time, he approached my wife and I and stated that he saw a promotion in my future, in fact, a different job with increase. On December 13th, I received an email from a recruiter through LinkedIn. LinkedIn, asking if I was interested in a new opportunity, and I replied yes. We spoke on the phone, and the interview went well. He set me up to inter- set me up to interview with uh, the persons needed to make the hiring decision. I received a job offer on January seventeenth, and my first day of work was the twenty-sixth. This new position has doubled my salary. I received a position higher than I have ever had before, plus a salary and bonus higher than ever before. I am scheduled to double that salary after the first year and triple it after the second year. Now, see, somebody listening would go, lucky. Ancient Hebrew says, whenever you see, finish it with him. Whenever you see or of a blessing or a miracle in someone else's life, what does that mean? Say, I'm next. Now, this was confirmation. Because I was telling Tiz, I've been feeling this. I'm saying, this is, this is you know, this is, uh, uh, this is a spiritual window that God has opened up for you, for all of us, for all of us, promotions, raises, jobs. And then I'm reading this, teaching this. Remember last week when we talked about Zebulon, the anointing from God to do business. Now, signs, wonders, miracles, obviously, but the anointing from God to do business. How many want that anointing? 
I want you to have that anointing. God wants you to have that anointing. Whenever you see or hear of something in someone's life, you're next. So if you're ready, and I, and I just, I know we're three minutes over. If you're ready for this new anointing, come forward right now. Come forward right now. Out of your seats. Make, I just feel like God's saying, make that effort. And remember, as we're talking today, God says this judgment not only convicts us, but it brings resolve and it brings strength to do what God's called us to do. Remember last week, the hidden manna, the wisdom, the energy from God to do what he wants us to do. Come on, come closer, come closer, come on. Just squeeze in as far as we can. And I feel, say, Pastor, why are you having people move? Because I feel it's God saying, take one step towards me and I'll take the rest towards you. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, keep moving over, keep moving forward. I want us all to pray this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full. Right now, I receive, rededicate my life to Jesus. I declare I am in every area more than a conqueror. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering. Look at me. Think big. Where is uh, Irma? Where is she? Ivana. It's a private joke. Where is she? Where is she? Go get her. Please, sir. Go get her. This is a time. And hear me as I'm prophesying over you. This is open window time right now. Un, unlimited. Unlimited. Double. Next year, double again. The year after that, triple. That's good increase, brother, right? You know what? Word for you. You never told me anything about you. Everything, there's been times in your life that you've got ahead, got ahead, and the devil has stole it. Everything, does that make sense to you? Everything. God, had, God, from when you were a young person, God had put in your hearts of prosperity. Through the years, the devil has beat you down. I don't know anything about you. Everything the devil has stolen. You watch supernatural multiplication back into your lives and your families. A lot of the pressure that you've gone through the years has beat you up on the inside. God has given you spiritually and in your home. You guys, this this your daughter? Yeah. Hey, I'm Jewish. I know how to schmooze. God is going to give your whole home a new beginning. Everything the devil has stolen is coming back. You watch the outdoor, not just one time, domino effect, domino effect. You watch it. Does that make sense to you? Give the Lord a clap offering. For the last five days, every time I pray, you come. And God said, 
and and when I when like with with you, I I saw the enemy stealing out of your treasury, the treasury that God had for you. I see things. That's how it works for me. I saw a chain that has been dragging you down, a chain, an anchor that's been grabbing you down, dragging you down. And I saw today God say, who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. And instead of dragging this chain, he's going to exchange it for joy that you've been looking for your whole life. There is a joy that is going to pass all understanding. And there's a freedom coming. I'm not even sure in what area that is. That's between you and God. But, but there is a, uh, there's some decisions that you need to make. There's, uh, there's, there's something. And, and you've been battling with God. Do you want me to do this? you want me to do that? I, I don't, he didn't show me that. But all I saw was all of a sudden, you're free. And this light came over you, and it was just joy. You ju- you're you're going to enjoy life as you've never. Does that make sense to you? All right. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Let's, let's receive that anointing. Amen. Now, I, you know, I, I feel s- silly saying this, but I want you to receive this prophetically that there's an anointing that is for right now it's for right now when the rapture takes place we're going out the glorious bride without spot or without wrinkle close your eyes i i I can put my hand on you there's somebody right now you're very very concerned about your daughter you're very concerned about your daughter. Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. God's preparing to bring her home right now. Bring her back. God's bringing her back. Father, we bind every force of darkness. I didn't realize there'd be so many. We bind every force of darkness and we release that healing. Just, just as the scripture said the children would, be, would die, that's a spiritual. God, you're, you're the God who breathes life. You breathe life back into us. You breathe life back into our families. And we give you praise and we give you glory. All right, look at me. You are forbidden. We're going to pray now. You are forbidden by God to not desire prosperity now i don't teach on prosperity as much as i used to i don't but because it's it's become sometimes a gimmick but you are forbidden it is the father's good pleasure beloved i would above all things that you prosper and be in health Derek, there is there is two races coming for you there's going to be financial you're going to see great things financially but spiritually there's some things, uh, insight, because you've been faithful in your walk. You've been faithful with Israel. You've been faithful with the revelations that God gives you. There's, there's financial growth. And, and, and I, I don't mean to say that's lightly, but uh, in your heart, the spiritual thing is even the most important. That's why he's going to give you the financial, the goal, go along with it. But you get ready. There's a journey that's going to begin in your life. I, I have a feeling that 
God is going to reward you so much financially, and the same thing with Derek, so much financially that you're not going to be tied to a desk. You're going to be free to be able to travel with me in different in different venues and seeing different things. And and who? Where's Derek at? Derek, the people the people I travel with are vital. You know, I travel with Scott. I travel with Truett, our our uh, our uh, television producer, because. The way it works for me is, Tiz can tell you, she hears the message eight times before we ever get here. And, and the staff, I, we feed off of each other. We feed off of each other. You know, the Bible says here, and we read here that you've been faithful in serving. The word serving is where we get the word deacon. That's where we get the word deacon. Deacon means he who, he who serves. And there's going to be in here elevation in status gifts of the spirit yes but also offices in the kingdom of god there's great destiny on your life uh, i haven't got it clear every time i look at you i can, there's there's a there's a there's a glow over you and around you there's great destiny god will show me what it is we better pray because uh super bowl is coming up <laughs> say this out loud close your eyes lift your hands say this out loud father right now i receive the divine anointing of prosperity, of wisdom, and direction. You have anointed me. Your word says so. To be a king and a priest. Touch me. Let my spirituality grow. All right, look, look at. Can I tell you one thing? I pray every day. God, make me sensitive to your voice. Lord, let me be sensitive to your voice. He will lead you and he will guide you. Let me be sensitive to your voice. Say that. Lord, make me sensitive to your voice. Lead me and guide me. And I declare right now, at this moment, the windows of heaven are opening up over me and my family spiritually and financially thy kingdom come thy will be done right now in jesus name if you receive this prophetic anointing give the lord a clap offering right now amen double double and then double again and then triple with bonuses. The anointing of Zebulon. Luke, come up here. We're going to close in prayer. I want you to, Luke, say a prayer. Close, cover everyone with the anointing. The, in, and, and look for this to happen now, guys. Look for it to happen now. Look for it to happen now. And, and pray big. Think big. Because... He can do beyond anything we can ask or think. Amen. Amen. Luke, say a blessing over him. Let's stretch our hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this prophetic word that you have given through dad today. Father, we thank you for this prophetic season and this prophetic time. 
And we take it right now and we pull it down into our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that double is coming, then double again, and that triple is coming after that, Father. Lord, we take hold of every single promise in the word of God. We call forth every single promise in the name and by the blood of Jesus and we declare victory in Jesus' mighty name. God, let us walk in the fullness of your anointing from this day forward. Let signs and wonders and miracles and testimonies begin as we leave this building today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you receive it, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah.